up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 18 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, the edgelord with a heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson, and the guild master himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. It is good to be back. How are we doing this week, boys? Yeah, I'm really excited to be doing the show and happy to be back with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, seriously. It's the first time we've had the, you know, fucking fantastic foursome back uh, in action <laughs> since Andy uh, uh, moved down uh, south. It's yeah, true. I, DC's not the south, Pete. It's south from here. <laughs> south from where we are. <laughs> Listen, this was uh, still yeah. the capital of the Union in the Civil War, so. <laughs> it's not that south. I'm still in the north part of the country, okay? Yeah. Uh, how's it been going, man? You and you enjoying it down there? Oh yeah, I love it down here. Way less time to play games because of law school. Although law school is like, we talk a lot about games, so that's cool. Like you mean the people you're going to school with, and you talk a lot about games? No, or? like uh, my professors talk a lot about games and strategy and how. Oh. One of the ways to be good as a trial lawyer is to look at it like a game, and you have to like look at the rules and find the way to use the rules to win. Nice. I mean, that's why I always said I thought you'd be good at being a lawyer. It's the only profession where there's a winner and a loser at the end. <laughs> it's true. I do like winning. And it affects you not at all. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, all right. So um, we are stacked this week in news. So we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Uh, Gamescom was the this past week. So um, that's just kind of going to be our news week. I know usually we do a meat and potatoes topic. But there's so much here that I wanted to get into, a couple really meaty news stories that I think we're going to have some things to say about. So um, that's just going to be the show this week. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's kick the show off the way we do every week by talking about what we're playing. So Andy, since you said you haven't been uh, playing too much, why don't, you, excuse me, why don't you start? Okay, so I've been playing League because I'm always going to be playing League. It's just such a great, easy like time sink. But that's neither here nor there. I bought Prey this week. Uh, I know you bought it too, Pete, but haven't gotten a chance to play it. And holy shit, is this game fun. I'm so excited. I'm like, so yeah, give us your initial impressions. Uh, initial impressions, I'm about, let's see, jumping over to Steam. Steam says I am four hours in. Okay. Um, it's, so maybe, maybe a fifth of the way through the game? Yeah, probably. It's. I know it's not a particularly long game. Um, But like, fuck. I love the whole immersive sim thing. The alien powers it lets you get are silly and dumb as fuck. Like, uh, the first alien, like, enemy it introduces you to is a mimic that can hide itself as any object in the room, the game. And later you start getting the ability to, like, introduce alien DNA into your brain and give you those powers. So, yep. I avoided a particularly tricky fight by disguising myself as a coffee cup and rolling across the room. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, it it was like, my health's low, my armor's low, but my, like, mana, for lack of a better word, is full. Alien magic. Alien magic. My PSI points. (laughs) So, yeah, I turned into a coffee cup, rolled across the room, turned back into a person, and just kept going so awesome yep. that's the thing man i'm so excited to play this game just because like you know i love arcane i'm a huge fan of arcane as a developer and like obviously you know 
every one of us except for Sean is a big fan of Dishonored. And like you can just see the the fingerprints of Dishonored, the DNA of Dishonored oh, all yeah. over this fucking game. I I think it does what um friend of the show Mike McMahon started playing Dishonored um a long time ago. Because he was interested in like the whole idea of the broad sim and the um like the setting yeah. and stuff, but stopped after the first level because Dishonored takes itself way too seriously. Prey definitely like understands that to be kind of a horror game, you also have to be goofy. Hmm. And so it lets you do goofy shit like that, like turn into a coffee cup. I've got this alien DNA and I can I can literally, you know, manipulate space and time and matter yep. itself. I'm gonna become a cup. I fucking the first love that weapon idea. it gives you is a wrench, which like pour one out for Gordon Freeman. We're gonna talk uh, about that later, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, um, it also gives you just a giant fucking glue gun, which is awesome. A glue oh, gun? Yeah, it could like, yeah. freeze people. Like it. G, it like it shoots glue, and you can like sneak up on people and freeze them in your in the glue. You can use it to like seal a leak in a room so that like gravity starts working again and you stop getting sucked out into the vacuum of space that's really cool i really like when a game gives you weapons that like have utility for like solving puzzles or like environmental interaction and stuff like that oh yeah for sure and like very ratchet and clank oh yeah and like it it doesn't say what you're like it never Gives you a shout out of, hey, you you know, you can use glue to make a, like a staircase up this wall. Right. But you can do that. Yeah, like, it, similar to Dishonored, it invites you to, like, be creative and, like, explore what you can do with your powers. Yep. And my god, are the powers dumb. That's so exciting. I, I can't wait to get into that game, man. I, picking up for 30 bucks was, like, amazing. It's like, it's just a game I've been, like, waiting for the right, you know, gap. You know, like, oh, yep. because, like, right around now, like, I once I wrap up the games I'm playing with, there'll be a little bit of a gap in the fall where, like, there's a few big games that I'm just not going to play. Like, I'm not going to play Assassin's Creed. I'm not going to play Wolfenstein 2 because I didn't play the first one. So, like, I'll have the perfect, like, you know, weekend or two to get in there with Prey and hopefully finish it up. So I'm really excited to get around to it finally. Speaking of things you're finally getting around to, you pick a waifu yet? It's been like a month since I got to interrogate you about Persona. Mm, I know, I know. It's It's been a while. Um, <sighs> I, I have taken, basically, since you left the show, I stopped playing Persona. Um, just <sighs> because I've been caught up in a lot of other stuff. Um, I know you guys talked about it last week, but the big thing I've been playing a lot lately has been Sonic Mania. Um, having a ton of fun with that game. Um I think, like, I echo a lot of the sentiments that are being shared around the web that it's, like, if you're a fan of 2D Sonic games, like, just pick this game up. You know, it's 20 bucks. It's definitively the best 2D Sonic in my mind. Um, I think it does a great job of remixing old levels and making them feel fresh but also familiar and then doing things that are completely new. Um, my one critique of it is honestly that I like the new content so much, I kind of wish it had just been a game of new content and not remixed levels. Um, cause as much as I, you know, it was cool to like play a new green hill zone level or like go back to the casino or whatever. Like I'm way, way more into the brand new stuff that they've done. Like some of the brand new mechanics. Um, like I know last week you mentioned there's that one like laboratory level where you stand on the things and inject stuff into the water and turn it into different colored gel that you can like bounce off of. And there's just all these like very interesting new mechanics that are things that like they couldn't have done on the Genesis. And I'm really excited about the idea of, like, a Sonic Mania 2 or, like, you know, whatever you'd call it. 
um, that maybe is just all brand new shit. Because this team has definitely proven that, like, they get what Sonic is about and why it was ever relevant, you know? Yeah, for sure. You got something to say, Thompson? <laughs> I'm just thinking about the guy on IGN who's just like, Sonic was never good. <laughs> just that one I guy. I fight you. I didn't say it. The IG- I'm not even saying that it was never good. I'm just, yeah. I just think it's yeah. funny when you said why it was relevant, all right? And there's people who think, you know, it was never good. But it was at yeah, one point. Like, good, yeah. I, I'll, I'll agree that Sonic was never great. But it was definitely good, and uh, this game is definitely on that level. Um, so I'm I'm pretty close to the end at this point. I think I've been putting like about thirty minutes to an hour into it, like every day, um, and I can't have too much left. I, I've made it through like I want to say four or five worlds already. So there's probably only like two or three more for me to get through. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then the other thing that stole my attention away this week from the games I had been playing two weeks ago when I checked in with you guys um, is Uncharted. Uh, the the la- uh, lost legacy. So that's the new. For those of you who don't know, it's like a new. It's a new like Uncharted spinoff game. It was originally supposed to be a piece of story DLC for the original Uncharted. Uh, if you got or uh, Uncharted Four rather, uh, if you got Uncharted Four season pass, you got this for free because that was what it was originally intended as. But basically, they during development decided that it was like bigger than just a a little like blip dlc so they kind of extended it they made it like a full 10 hour experience you can buy it at retail for 40 bucks as like a standalone game um i'm only like two or three chapters into it which is like about a fourth of the way through the game i want to say um and i'm liking it you know it's it's more uncharted and i love uncharted i really like chloe as a character she's the main character um it's her and nadine who is another main character in uncharted 4 and uh i'm really not interested in nadine too much i thought she was like one of the weaker parts of uncharted 4 so i'm a little disappointed that they decided to go with her as chloe's like counterpart as opposed to cutter um who is like her partner in uncharted 2 um but i'm liking it and i'm excited to play more of it i plan to have it finished by next week so i'll have more i'll have like my full review for you guys then um other than that i've been jumping in out of some multiplayer shit but that's kind of been where my head's at the the last week so um that's pretty much it for me uh what about you sean cool uh i have been playing world of warcraft no way and, <laughs> uh, heroes of the storm a lot uh in in world of warcraft we finally got over this particular boss hump that had us and 1000 no 2000 other guilds have been stuck on this particular boss for a month and guilds were slowly killing it. Uh, we finally did. So we jumped from, I think the last time, the last time I was on here, we were world, what were we, world 500, I something like that? I think so, yeah. Um, or six, no, we were world six, we were world 666 the last time that I was on here. And we went up to 700 and something. Now we're world 500 and US 170 something. 173, I think, and Realm 9th. So that all sounds like gibberish, probably, but it's pretty good. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, took us a while, but we finally got that boss down. Just brutally hard. Crippling. One of the, no, the hardest boss that I've ever faced. Damn, in, dude. In any video. So wait, is, is your goal yeah. to, like, do you care about being in the top 175? Like, is that just cool? Or, like, would you want to break to, like, the top 100? Is that, like, a thing you guys are working um, toward? No, it's not a thing we're working towards. We're pretty chill 
Um, it just happened that way that, you know, we've put together a really good team. We're just low-key uh, awesome. This we don't tier. even try. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... That's how heroes are born. the battle of rating is not being a shithead, to be honest. Um, because when you we, we pulled this boss 200, 200 and something times, and that's a lot. That, like, compared to a boss that we just killed, uh, the, the third boss that we killed, we pulled five times. So we went from five pulls to 270-something. That's a lot. And at no point was there rage or, like, people going at each other's throats right. and stuff like that. That's the stuff that kills guilds. You know, you figure the hardest thing about World of Warcraft raiding is keeping 20-plus players together. And we were able to do that. And that's the most impressive part about the kill. The, the boss was hard, but the fact that we didn't crack under the pressure is what I'm most impressed by. And I'm not surprised that our ranking reflects that because so many other guilds were killed by this. That's awesome, man. Uh, I have two final questions then. Um, how long did it take? And are those numbers in like the top 5% or like 1%? Like any, how, how close could you say that you are to like, you know, percentage wise? Because I know a bajillion people play this game. So, right. Uh, so it took four weeks or five weeks. One of those two. Um, like the, the actual fight though? Like when you oh, did the- it? Yeah. The length of the two fight. weeks straight. Yeah, I mean, it's like, so I mean, I mean, that's crazy either way, but like, still, yeah. The, the length of the fight, it's it, it, if you don't kill it in eight minutes, then she enrages and she basically sends tornadoes all across the room that you can't dodge okay. that will kill you. So if you don't kill her in eight minutes, it's over. I think we killed her in have, seven have... minutes and 30 seconds. So you have like a death timer, basically? Yeah, yeah. You will, you wow, will die okay. if you don't kill her. At a certain point. That's cool. And then uh, your other question was... Oh, right. Uh, I would say we're probably in the top 2% of, of player base. Shit, man. That's that's impressive. Yeah. S- solid. Dude. Uh, I, and then... I wanna, sorry, I, wanna, Pete? I was going to say, I want to get you hooked up with... Uh, like, I want to have a Comics Pals Twitch channel and just have you stream whenever you're playing WoW. <laughs> uh, I would see, love I, to see you, like, in the throes of it when you're just like, yo, we gotta fucking do this shit, like, directing everybody. Like, <laughs> that would be so cool. Uh, I, yeah. I can't, because if I did that, then my raiders would listen and they would get to hear the things that I don't want them to. <laughs> like, when you're talking oh, boy, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get very pissed um, when people do stupid things, but I don't cue my mic. So I say them, but they can't hear it. Oh if I God. was streaming, then they would hear all that stuff. Sean, so I, s- I can't stream. It would be so worth it. It would be so worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's that what would, just that like, would be good. It's streaming and then hearing what I really think about them. That's what tears guilds apart. <laughs> that actually, funny story, that happened once where we, were, we, we had to switch to Discord for a night because uh, Mumble was down. And I didn't... Oh. I didn't realized that i had to change to push the talk oh no so we pulled a boss and we wiped and when we wiped i started freaking out and i was so pissed but they heard it and <laughs> i didn't realize that so they were all reacting in the chat like holy shit we've never heard you like this and i was like oh yeah <laughs> it's I, like, I secretly it. hate every single one of you <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah sometimes yeah yeah, I feel that way about everything. It's great. <laughs> um, but no, it's 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 fun, and uh, I'm really happy and proud that we got that boss. But other than that, it's been heroes trying to take a a, a greater 
leap into Hero League, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoy that and picking up more characters. So there you go. That's me. No updates on Sean Dendo? Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, I, 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 unfortunately not. It's been a busy summer, so I haven't really had yeah. a lot of time for gaming on the weekend, which is the only time I can play that game because my Xbox is at my girlfriend's house. Mm. Dendo watch. We'll keep watching. <laughs> yes. We'll report next week. What about you, Thompson? Um, Pretty easy week. It's not that many games. Uh, you know, standard stuff. I always play Elder Scrolls Legends and going up ranked mode for the month on that. There was there was always card changes in that game, but they added uh, one change in particular that like made really just grounded my gears this this week. Um, I use this one nine mana cost card, which is a lot, so you have to at least you know ramp up to nine, which is kind of hard to do, or get to like turn nine, which is also kind of hard to do without dying. And now it costs ten, and I love this card. It's my favorite card in the game, and now it's ten. So my rage was palpable this week. Your rage was Palpatine. We talked about Star Wars last week, Thompson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, it's a really strong card, so I can understand. And they balance the game all the time. But God, this one hurt. This one cut me deep. You know, Bethesda. This one really hurt me. If you're listening, thanks. Thanks. You've like disheartened me a little. But I love that game, and uh, I'll keep playing it. Uh, you know, some PUBG, some Heroes a little bit, standard stuff as always. I went back full swing into Total War Warhammer, though, oh. which I'm really excited about because the um, the Norska DLC you get if you have um, pre-ordered uh, for free Total War 2, which, you know, I'm not like a huge fan of like pre-order stuff like that, but like it's a playable race with a unique faction and everything for free. So it's like I'm getting the game anyway. Yeah, yeah, you might, might as, as well get, get a free race. Content. Yeah, so... And they also released their 30 free regiments of renown, so you just got like 30 units for free in the game. Like, out of nowhere, which is great to coincide with that. So every time there's a DLC release, they also release some free, you know, LC stuff that's actually, like, really good. Um, But they're fun. Uh, They're essentially like the Warhammer equivalent of Vikings. You know, they come off the coast, they live in the icy north, um, they have mammoths. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun to use mammoths. Um, That's really... Like the the star of the show for them, um, yeah. And hey, finally Skaven got announced for Total War two, so that's cool. Oh no way! Um, it's I not like a... everybody knew yeah, Skaven were coming to said... Total War two. But like they actually said, hey, you know, <laughs> like there's there's Skaven, and like here's a video of them. Here's like a cinematic of them, like full force. Like Skaven exists, you know, like everything, which is heretical beyond all belief. So, you know, uh, I think that. Oh no, wait. Uh, I've been playing Rainbow Six Siege. There you go. Like like 20 hours I put into Siege this nice. week. Um, that is it. No Zelda. No Zelda. No Zelda. I did play Amset Suna for a little bit, though. I'm going to jump back in because I realized it's been... Like, I haven't gotten to talk about this game yet. I don't know if you talked about it on the show the day I was moving and wasn't here. But a couple weeks ago, Pete and me and my sister and a couple other people... Spent like six hours playing Overcooked, and holy god! Oh, holy shit! Yeah, I didn't, I didn't bring that up. Overcooked is amazing, and I can't wait for them to fix the Switch version. Oh my god, it's just so good! It's such a fun game. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible little co-op game. If you haven't heard of it, it's like uh it's an indie game where you all play a chef, and you have to play in these like crazy kitchens. Like one of them's like on a fault line, and every time there'll be like an earthquake, and like the the thing will split in two and they're on two different levels you're like on the back of trucks and like the trucks part for traffic so you need to like time when you're in which half of the kitchen and stuff and it's just really hectic and fun 
Um, I think the best thing I can say about it is like, so we were playing it, we're over at my place, right? And um, I was talking about it the next day with my uh, with my my father, and he goes, he's like, were you guys like playing a new game up there last night? You guys were like making a lot of fucking noise. And I was like, yeah, it was like this game where you like, you play chefs. And he was like, chefs? He's like, the way you were screaming, I would have thought like the fate of the world was at least at stake. <laughs> To some people in oh that dining God, the hall, the worst is. one is the one where your restaurant is on three trucks. Yeah, and like each one of them has a like a third of the things you need to do whatever you're trying to do. It's a pain in the ass, but it's a great game. You should definitely check it out. Um, I I can't wait to get the game of the year edition or whatever the deluxe edition on Switch when they finally work out the frame rate issues. Um, but all right, if you want to let us know what you're playing this week, uh, you can write into us. Um, it's like not really a new email address anymore, but write into our, uh, brand new email address, thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Um, and you know, it doesn't have to be what you're playing this week. If you want to drop us a random question of the week, let us know what you think about any of our news items, anything, send us an email. We'd be happy to hear from you. Um, you can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, so you can stay up to date with all the stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. And if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate you dropping us a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to iTunes, where we are currently a five-star rated podcast. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate whatever rating you think we deserve. And uh, if you're on YouTube, you can do us a solid like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and then as always, share uh, you know share the show with your friends. If you're enjoying it, um, that's the best way you can get uh, new pals to come listen to the show. Really helps us out. Um, and while I'm plugging YouTube, real quick, we've got a history of the Defenders video um, that the Comics Pals put together um, that is phenomenal. I put a ton of work into it. I'm very proud of it. I would really, really uh, love it if you went and checked it out. So please. Do so. Make me feel good about myself. Thompson, can you drive over to Pete's house and pat him on the back so he doesn't hurt himself trying to, like, reach over his shoulder? How <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, do I wasn't right praising Sean's excellent script? <laughs> well, you said I. So. Well, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> we worked very hard on it. Um, I am, however, super proud of it. So, bam, what's up? As am I. Uh, and with that, before we jump into the news, that means it's going to be time for the random question of the week. Oh, that was a good one. Thanks. <laughs> I like. I tried to hold it down in your absence last week, and I hope I did a good job. Oh no, it was good. I got a kick out of it. Um. So yeah, if you um, my question for you guys this week is if if your favorite game, or I'll say a favorite game, right? Uh, had to be made by another developer, development team, who would it be? So, you know, Sean, you keep saying you want KOTOR 3, right? But, like, Obsidian can't make it, Bioware can't make it. You've got to pick somebody else that's going to make that game, you know? So, and I'll give you some leeway, you know? If you don't want to pick your exact favorite game because you can't think of a good match, that's fine. But I'm challenging you here to think outside your comfort zones. I, I have an answer. Hit it. Like, literally any game that isn't already a Blizzard game, I would trust Blizzard to make for me. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, you know, it's like the Fallout Blizzard edition. Like, you know, the one thing I I do like about Blizzard is, like, when they have an IP, like Diablo or whatever, like, you know, I may not like Diablo 3 as much as I like 2. I may not like StarCraft 2 as much as I like StarCraft 1. You know, I fell out of World of Warcraft. doesn't mean these are bad games or anything. It just means that, like, you know, they're not what I, like, liked in the long run or whatever. Um, Blizzard really does take like care into the properties they have though it makes that world specifically feel like that world so if you gave them i think at least if you gave them something like you know fallout or or like you know anything that i like that's got a rich world i think they would study it you know respect it put their own like spin on it of course but 
I like Blizzard's spin on things, so I would trust Blizzard to make my favorite games if they weren't already making most of my favorite games, you know? <laughs> like StarCraft. As long as you don't mind waiting 20 years for Blizzard's Fallout. I, I, dude, I waited uh, 20 years for like StarCraft Remastered, and you know, it's like, whatever. Yep. Like, that just came out, and I've, I forgot to mention I was playing that, but that game fucking rocks because it's the first game, but looks better. Cool, so. cool. All right, yeah, solid pick. I'm going to go a two-way street here. Okay. I would love to see Nintendo's Persona. Oh, my God. That's like, what? <laughs> Wait, so would you go be going to a high school where it's just Persona made by Nintendo? Or is it like a high school filled with Nintendo characters? No, it's a fucking me-verse of high school people. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to figure out the waifu from all the me's. I got to pick my I gotta pick my Nintendo on, waifu. Uh, Daisy. Yeah. Daisy. Boom. Done. Rosalina. All the waifus are also amiibos, <laughs> and you get special... Unlocked special, like... <laughs> special confidant bonuses. Special costumes for your, uh fucking waifu through amiibo dlc i'm all about <laughs> exactly, that yeah um yeah i can see that thing too i would love to see atlas's take on super mario rpg slash like mario and luigi whatever that i could fuck with that would yeah. be just like it would be fucking insane yeah that could be really cool um but also just you know garbage what about Atlas's Pokemon? <laughs> I, we already have Shin Megami Tensei. They already do have that. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's a thing. But like, <laughs> Persona 2 is just like basically Atlas's Pokemon. Yeah, Nocturne, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is essentially a Pokemon game. Hmm. With like two hard characters that you don't really have to change. Dante and yourself, because Dante's <laughs> edgy and cool. I am uh, awful at things like this, so I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to mind that made sense on some level uh which is I, I i'd be interested to see what blizzard would do with would do with pokemon blizzard man yeah all right that'd be so weird that'd be so fucking weird honestly thinking about blizzard making anything that's not a multiplayer game is like so weird to me you know i think the first thing they would do is make it a multiplayer game Oh, that would be so bad. <laughs> it would be like... No, I don't think so. It'd be like World of Warcraft. They'd find a way. It would be like World of Warcraft with Pokemon. If they did that, that would be fresh. I, I could definitely get into a, an MMO Pokemon game that was, like, quest-based, um, as opposed to, like... And, like, maybe, like, you could still travel to regions and get badges, and those counts as quests or whatever, but, like, if it was, like, mostly about quests and then just, like, getting in battles with other players, like, out in the open world, like, that would be... What really would cool. MMO Pokemon, like, PvE content look like, though? I I tend to think it would be the exact same. It's just that when you're walking through the world, the trainers that you see, some of them are NPCs, but some of them are real people, and you can interact with them however you want. I think you would still do badges. I think you would still do the, the leagues and stuff, but I think that there would just be that other element that's present. Yeah, raids could be like getting Mewtwo's and shit. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. getting high level yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Or I don't know. I think it could be really cool if they did something like that. But instead of doing like the gym stuff, like if it was like more of. um, They mentioned this once on my, my favorite Pokemon podcast. Uh, well, it's the only one I listen to, but it whatever. It's the Dex cast. Um, and they were talking about the idea of like a Pokemon MMO. And one of the things they threw out was like if you had like a game that was like Pokemon Ranger and it was like you were a 
like boy scout or like girl scout-esque character that's a member of this group that is like you know the pokemon scouts or whatever and like you run around and do different like overworld stuff of like oh like you're in this rural area and there's like a farm or house or something and like they're getting attacked by these certain kind of pokemon so like go run them out and like that gets you a badge and instead of like it being a go get eight badges and fight the elite four it's like you collect like merit badges by doing all these different side quests that are just like pokemon centric things that could be really cool that'd be fun you know like dungeon crawling like there's so many things in the pokemon world that are outside of like the gyms that we have never explored in like a gameplay sense that would be really fun Oh. oh man, I'd love to be uh, like Brock's character, and I would just make food for Pokemon. All day. <laughs> That's a profession. Yo, know, that would be that'd be a good eShop game. Coolest part of a of a Pokemon MMO would be that you could do so many other kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the end game raids are basically the plot of like the Pokemon movies. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, like Mewtwo calls a bunch of people to like his island and like that's your guild goes to do that and it's like Mewtwo does his thing that sounds so cool yeah. <laughs> i'm already hooked sell me <laughs> I can't get behind that. where's the copy uh okay so for me it's um it's tough man because there's so many things like so many of my favorite games are like very tied to like what that developer does you know and it's like i can think of like oh like i'd love to see like, like I said a couple weeks ago, right? Like, I'd love to see Don't Nod make, like, an Archie game or something like that. But, like, the idea of, like, taking IPs and, like, moving them around is always something that I, I find to be, like, a little... I, I'm always, like, afraid, right? Because it's, like, I, I remember people being, like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if, like, Bethesda made a Zelda game? And, like, it wouldn't be, you know? So, like, really, like, I really try... I'm trying to think about stuff that I think would actually be a good match versus just, like, oh, this is, like, a fun wish list kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, man, I, I would love to see something like, I would love to see Bioware get a chance to do another game in the style of Knights of the Old Republic, like, and not specifically with Star Wars, like getting Bioware to take, you know, maybe like one of Telltale's IPs, like something like, uh, like a Batman or whatever, uh, and getting to do it in that more like third person narrative decision but more focused on gameplay than Telltale gets to. Um, I think that could be really fun, you know? And, like, maybe Batman's not the best choice because, like, how how dark are you really going to be able to take Batman, you know? Like, I don't really know what a, a renegade Batman looks like. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, like, that's the thing that they do in Telltale where it's, like, you're the Batman who goes around breaking people's legs and stuff, and if you're Paragon, you're the opposite of that, you know? I mean... Uh, you could very easy have a like Paragon Renegade and just call it like Adam West Frank Miller. <laughs> that would be so fucking funny. <laughs> um, so that's a random question this week. If you guys want to write in with your own again, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com and write in. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right, so like I said at the top, we've got a stacked news item, or news item, news list this week with 10 items on it, uh, most of which come hot out of Gamescom. Uh, so let's just kick things off with some game announcements. So for starters, Universal and Frontier Developments, the team behind Elite Dangerous and Planet Coaster, have revealed their next game, Jurassic World Evolution a dinosaur theme park simulation game, uh, which came out with its first trailer. 
And um, we, we got a quote from the developers here. So this comes from Frontier's Chief Creative Officer Johnny Watts, uh, which is a great name. Uh, quote, as longtime fans of the entire Jurassic series, we're thrilled to be putting players in charge of their own Jurassic World. We're excited to bring over 15 years of management, simulation, and creature development expertise to a destination and franchise that remains an inspiration to us. Uh, players will build their own Jurassic World as they bioengineer new dinosaur breeds and construct attractions, containment, and research facilities. Every choice leads to a different path and spectacular challenges arise when, quote, life finds a way. So what do you guys think about this? I, like, as a old school uh, Zoo Tycoon fan, I'm like hype as hell on this. Um, I played Jurassic Park Operation Genesis back in the day, and it was pretty tight, if I say so myself. Oh, I remember um, that. That was the game where you like could crossbreed dinosaurs and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. if it gives you that kind of fucking control again, where it's like you control the science and the breeding and the whatever... That'd be cool. I will probably not play this game because, like, tycoon management sims are not my jam. Um, nothing against them. They're just not for me. And, yeah, I think it's really excited. I was, like, I told you when I sent you this and told Thompson about it last week, I was pretty steamed because the trailer came out while we were recording the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of glad just because I get to talk about it this week, but... Uh... <laughs> I am really excited for this. I'm surprised that it took this long for this to happen. Um, I I love uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon and, and those games. Well, the, Roller Coaster Tycoon is the only one I've ever played, but I love that experience. And I think this, yeah. this is going to be phenomenal. I mean, or at least it has a great chance to be. I mean, I, I was kind of the, the same way where, like, I'm not a major, like, uh, management sim kind of guy, but I got really into Zoo Tycoon when I was a kid. Um, and I played a little bit of Roller, roller, roller Coaster Tycoon as well um, and enjoyed it, but I was always more into Zoo Tycoon. And they had an expansion, actually, that was that added dinosaurs and everything, so I feel like... If they can hit that same those same notes that I enjoyed for that game so much, but with like just a deeper level of um, you know interest in dinosaurs, like that sounds so cool. I don't. I mean, I love like sim games, right? I play like Factorio like all the time. I love that game. I, I drop hours into shit like that. But the thing I like about like management in sim games is usually some kind of like hook, you know, like Factorio. You're on an alien planet. You're trying to get off. You know, there's like danger. You have to. Fight. Dinosaurs aren't a hook for you. Wait, I'm not done. I don't like. <laughs> planet coaster and i don't like the zoo you know tycoon or one of those because it's just like generic shit like real world stuff you know for me but mm -hmm. it's like a great game so like having that management style with something like dinosaurs yes now i'm hooked <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> damn you yeah i mean it's it's cool i understand but yeah that's that's what i'm saying like so this this is interesting you know i like this uh it reminds me a little bit of a possible creatures actually just the idea that you're oh, yeah. like genetically making new shit you know, hopefully you can mix and match a little bit here and there. I mean, even in the movie, you know, or the, the story of Jurassic Park, they didn't have 100% dino DNA, you know? Yeah, Bingo dino it, DNA. Isn't it like the third or fourth? Isn't it isn't Jurassic World where they bioengineer, like, a new dinosaur and it's, like, crazy evil and stuff? Yeah, they, they make, uh, they splice some shit together and, and yeah. it's pretty nasty. So That'd I'm saying cool. I, hope you, I hope you can do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying, like, there's a precedent in Jurassic Park as a franchise to do that, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In the Jurassic Park canon, as it were. <laughs> Where do you think this falls on the timeline, you guys? <laughs> Probably after the, the last movie, even, seriously. I mean, it's called Jurassic World. Um, yeah. Whatever, Jurassic World, what is it? Evolution. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm excited about this. So the game is expected to arrive uh, sometime during the summer of 2018 on PS4, uh, PC, and Xbox One. So keep an eye open for it. We'll definitely be updating you guys as it uh, develops because apparently you know, three out of the four of us are going to pick it up. So good stuff. Um, all right. So speaking of long dormant PC darlings, I think you're going to be excited about this one, Thompson. Uh, Microsoft Studios has announced Age of Empires 4 is currently in development for the PC. Wow. Uh, so this is going to be the first Age of Empires game in over 12 years, or at least the first like proper. I think there's been a, a spinoff or two since then, but um, since there's 2005 for, for the older games that were coming out, right? Like the African Kingdoms of Age of Empires 2 it was a game that's been out for what, like, you know, 12 years ago, whatever. And then they released the DLC for it. Huh, okay. So they've been doing that. Okay, like, okay. That's what they've been focusing on. Yeah, because Age of Empires 3 came out in 2005, and that was the last yeah. one I played. I played that on, like, three computers ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I still uh, play that once in a while. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game. Um, I'm a big fan of the Age of Empires series. Um, but then, uh, so they said the first three games uh, in the series um, were, like, obviously developed by uh, Ensemble Studios, who have been, like, they've since been shuttered. But uh, Relic Entertainment is actually going to be picking it up. So they're the guys who are behind Warhammer 40k Dawn of War. Um, the first is, one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is the one that... That's one of your favorite games, right? Yeah, yeah. the first one, um, you know, mods aside, like the Apocalypse mod that expands on it, but the first one uh, uh, has, like, the best, you know, every, everything, you know? The other ones all try to find their niche, you know, add cover systems, all that. It doesn't matter. The first one's just better, you know? And it's not like, you know, well, it was first is better or anything. Like, StarCraft 1, I feel, maybe I might say that a little bit, just because I have nostalgia for it, but the first War Dawn of War game just is a better game. Period. Good. You know? So, I mean, they're the ones behind it, which is really... Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Um, we don't have a release window for it yet, but uh, there is an announcement trailer that I've linked down in the description below with the rest of our news items, so you can go check that out. And uh, it's got some, like, concept art uh, that shows conquest dating from Rome to the American Revolution. So... Looks like it's going to be a pretty big, uh, you know, range of time. So I, this is really cool. You know, I was I was a big fan of Age of Empires back in the day, uh, and Age of Mythology for that matter. So, um, yeah, I'm totally excited to jump back in. What do you guys? Uh, I, men- I mentioned. I uh, mentioned. Sorry, one more thing. I mentioned a few times Empire Earth, right? And it's a game that's been epoch, epochs, or whatever you pronounce it, uh, yeah. of time, right? And that's how you advance tech. It's just like industrial age versus like World War One age or World War Two age, even. But you started prehistoric and you went all the way to like robots, right? Having this game, it's like I always liked Empire Earth more, just a little bit more than Age of Empires because it was, you know, a, a smaller time frame. But having this game go from like Rome to like, you know, the, the 1700s is like fucking crazy for me. That that like really hits the Empire Earth feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like really excited about that part, especially. I never played an Age of Empires game. They're probably not for me, considering I like don't play RTSs and have tried Jeez. very hard on many occasions to like get into the genre. But yeah, no, I don't play Total War, I don't play Dawn of War, I don't play whatever fucking... Any of the Age Ofs, Impossible Creatures, yeah. you know, C- it, Command yeah. and Conquer, or... It's funny, man, because I used to be really into RTSs when I was a <laughs> Me kid, too. You know? Yeah, and yeah. for a long time, I really feel like the, the genre just kind of fell off. And, like, this is a great time for, like, me personally to jump back in just because, like, I care about this this series. You know, I have fond memories of Age of Empires, and, like, I might not pick up Total War, Warhammer, or whatever, but, like, I'll pick up Age of Empires 4, you know? And, like, yeah, you're probably right, I probably should, I'm sure there are RTSs out there for me now, but, like, I don't know, you know, it's like, this is a good reason for me to come back, I care about this franchise, you know? Like, I'm excited for Age of Empires, I'm not excited for 
something random that I don't really have attachment to. So I yeah, feel like yeah. this might really get a lot of people back, you know? No, that's good, yeah, because the RTS world is in, like, a, a downward spiral over the last decade. Uh, there's very few good titles that come out, and most, you know, even good ones lose an audience because the I'm next just, one came out. I'm just saying, it's so cool to see these two games announced back-to-back for me. Like, games that it's, hit it is very neat, yeah. specific, like, PC player me at, like, 10 years old notes. You know what killed it for me? Uh, so I was a massive Command & Conquer fan. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, God. Red Alert. Which one? Red Alert 2. 2? That was my thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Viewer's Revenge. Fuck yeah, I dude. loved all that. Oh, hell yeah. My favorites. But then, <laughs> yeah, dude. But then they, they started to make them, like, they came out with Generals and, yeah. and all those, and I thought those were awful, and that completely turned me off from the entire genre. So I think the only thing that would get me back into it would be a return to the graphics style from Command & Conquer, uh, Red Alert 2, and Yuri's Revenge. Uh, and it would probably just need to be a Command & Conquer game, because that's the only RTS... Well, that and Warcraft. Those are the only RTS games that I have any relationship with, so... Man, it's so weird to me that they haven't put out a new Warcraft game. Like, just a straight-up Warcraft RTS. I feel like it would really sell. They have no reason to, though. Yeah, really. Because the, the story is being told already in World of Warcraft. Yeah, but, like, couldn't they just, like, a remaster nah. or something? Like, I just... Oh, well, a remaster... I, I I, I'm... Of, like, Warcraft that's on 3? The way. Yeah, that's on the way. Of Warcraft 3. Like, and they wouldn't have to push the story forward. They could do it, like, just be, like, Warcraft Legacy and just have, like, all the different factions. Like, I feel like that would be fun. I don't know. I feel like they would nail that. I, it's weird to me that, like, that's something that's so core to their roots and that they've just kind of, like, Blizzard, I think Blizzard would do it if there really was a resurgence in RTS games. So... For you think about yeah, it, for ten true. years there hasn't been any R- R- RTS like fan base, and they've been just focused on WoW and, and yeah. new IP. So if yeah. if you know Age of Empires is successful or whatever, and these games do well, then Blizzard might take a look and say, "Oh, well, StarCraft Remastered did well, Warcraft Three Remastered did well. Maybe it's time for a Warcraft 4. But yeah. I but I don't yeah, I don't point. see that happening. But it yeah. could. I don't think they're ever going to release Warcraft 4 only because they still have StarCraft 2. And, like, that is the national sport of South Korea. So it's, like, once once you when you have a, yeah. a sport that is, like, a, a country, like, why make a competitor to your own thing, you know? Yeah, so it's a good point. Um, real quick, uh, this is just last little kind of, like, aside. If you can't wait to get back in Age of Empires, Microsoft did uh, announce th- alongside this that the Age of Empires Definitive Edition Forgotten Empires uh, remaster of the original yeah, Age yeah. of Empires is coming out That's on October nineteenth, cool. so right around the corner. Um, so check it out. And then uh, item number three. Speaking of remakes, Square Enix has announced a Secret of Mana remake for PS4, PS Vita, and PC. So the game's coming out next February, just in time for the original's twenty fifth anniversary. Uh, it's a complete remake of the original game, uh, including like fully. Redone 3D graphics, uh, new musical arrangements of the original themes, voice acting, and then there's going to be some brand new like gameplay features like uh, online multiplayer for up to three players, um, which is pretty cool. So if you want to get a look at it, uh, you can go check out the trailer below. Like I said, get a look at the new visuals. Um, it looks pretty sharp. And uh, I'm interested just because, you know, this is coming to the SNES Classic as well, which we'll talk about later. Um, but seeing as this is kind of one of the like gaming RPGs from that era I've never played, I'm kind of like... I don't know. I'm I'm thinking I might take the opportunity to like close that gap. You know, have any of you guys ever played? No, I missed it as well. I have not. And I'm. It's like my style of game. You know, like definitely interested in it. 
So I it could close the gap too, man. It's like a let's play material right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I was gonna say, could you see yourself going back and playing this game because it's a, a oh JRPG yeah, hundred percent. Like... I, I would go back. Like I I retroactively went back on all the Final Fantasies when I was younger. Even you know, like I was a kid sure, and Seven sure. was coming out, and it was like, well, Seven's cool. What what's the other ones? You know, and I've always gone back to like older games. I I don't care how old they are. It's like if they have something i want i'll play you know so watching the like the announced trailer and seeing that it's on the vita really just made me annoyed that it's not coming to the switch that's weird <laughs> i definitely i, I definitely agree but it's also like as as a, a the one ardent vita supporter on the show it is kind of cool to just be like yeah vita still trucking along, i don't know baby. how <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's gasping its last yeah. breaths you know like the switch is definitely replacing the vita um that's what's happening and but you know yeah i'm with you i would love to have this game on the switch instead yeah it seems like just a natural fit and i don't know what happened with square nintendo's relationship yeah it's weird man i don't know like you do see a lot of sony exclusive square stuff this day these days um but you know you never know could always come later so uh, alongside that square also announced a bunch of stuff about final fantasy 15 including that it's coming to pc and mobile so, along with a slate of new game announcements, Square's also confirmed that uh, Final Fantasy XV is going to be getting a quote-unquote Windows edition that comes packaged with bonus content that was originally released on PS4 and Xbox One uh, as part of the game season pass, and then uh, will also include some of the console versions like free updates. So any of the free updates that'll come to consoles will either be included at launch or will come later. Uh, and then the game's Steam Store page says that it's actually going to include an extra first-person mode, which is going to be available right at the game's launch as well. Um, and it's coming out next year. So uh, they also, it's going to have updated 4K graphics. They're partnering with NVIDIA to, like, optimize the visuals and all this stuff. So if you're a PC nerd, you can go check out the link I sent, and you can get into that nitty-gritty tech stuff. Um, but what do you guys think about this? Um, so... Final Fantasy XV is probably the okayest game I've ever fallen in love with. <laughs> well like, said. If you, go, if you go back to uh to Slack and Slash, the the now defunct YouTube channel that me, Pete, and Thompson were on, we did like a whole week of Final Fantasy content when that came out, including us pushing Thompson's car down the street <laughs> to stand by me. That was awesome. That that literal that ad that we made for a week of Final Fantasy content was one of the best just, things we ever did. <laughs> just Pete put a link in the description. Go back and watch it. It's just ridiculous enough. Um, I love the way that game starts. That's maybe my favorite opening in a video game ever. And I think how strong that is is like really keeps Final Fantasy fifteen going. And like the storytelling they hint at is really good. There's a good story there. It's just told really, really poorly. It's it's unfortunate that I remember we talked about it uh, after I had finished the game. It might have even been on this show. Um, and I think I said to you that the thing that like bothers me about it is that like the subtext of Final Fantasy 15 is much better than the actual text of Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, it's like Arden's a really cool villain in that his plan is like it's really interesting and it just like gets kind of hinted at once and then like spoiler alert nobody here is planning on finishing final fantasy 15 that hasn't right i am oh i thought you finished it already i'm sorry i'm very close 
Okay. Uh, then, yeah, then yeah, skip the spoiler stuff. Stick the pin. Um, but like the fact that uh Nomura, he's the guy that was the director on that, right? Yes. Yeah. The fact that like right after the game came out, he was like, Yeah, and there's stuff that we wanted to do too that we're planning on fleshing out in updates. Really annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. By the time I was done with the game, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. I can't go back to that game at this point. Like I enjoyed my time with it, but it's not a game I am at all interested in going back to. Unless the multiplayer update they announced a couple weeks ago is really good, because like I could really fucks with a uh like multiplayer MMO kind of deal. Like not even MMO, just like party up with a couple of friends and go do some of the hunts. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. The only way I would do that would be if the four of us agreed to do it as, like, a stream or a Let's Play or something, because, like, the fact that you can make a custom character that looks like you and then run around and play Final Fantasy is, like, that's fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know, this is cool. I'm, I'm glad that PC-only people have a chance to play this game, because it's worth playing, for sure. And uh, it seems like they're going to get the best, most complete version of it for their trouble for waiting, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, like, obviously, it's 2017, so, uh, a port of a major AAA game to PC is, like, not exactly news, but the Square Enix announcement of Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition is, like, that is weird. That is far more interesting. So, I wanted to to get into that a little bit here, and I'm just gonna give you guys some information about what it is, and then we can jump into that. So... Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition is supposed to be coming out sometime this fall on iOS and Android devices, and it will, quote, retell the events of Final Fantasy XV through 10 different episodes. So I'm going to just read this quote to you guys from Square. Uh, it says, Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition for iOS, Android, and Windows 10 devices to be uh, released later this year is an all-new adventure that retells the beloved story of Final Fantasy XV, giving fans and newcomers alike the freedom to journey through EOS whenever and from wherever they want. The mobile game features the main characters and the story of the console version, and newly... Uh, oh, and the newly announced Final Fantasy XV Windows Edition, with an adorable art style and casual touch controls optimized for mobile devices. The main story is told across 10 thrilling episodes, with all 10 episodes available at launch, and the first episode downloadable for free. So That's so weird. Right? Like, my, my, my reaction to that is just, what? Like, wh- like, I don't think this is a bad idea. It's just so strange. It's like, who is this for? I I think the weirdest part about this is like going off what you just said before that like there's a great story built into this game that you got to kind of dig out and to sell the pocket edition to somebody as like uh, the story of Final Fantasy 15 on your phone, right? Like experience the game on your phone. But the game is really like the combat and the gameplay, really, because that's what since the story is like, you know, like hiding in there. So to sell yeah, it as though like you're going to... in gonna... the moments from, like, them driving around. And yeah, stuff, you know? right. But so so to sell the game as episodic adventure sounds cool and all, but, like, you know, and the laurels of its own story that you had trouble finding in the full game. I don't know where, like, I'm really curious if this is going to be good or bad. You know, like, it could be a complete bomb or something really cool. A very interesting way to, like, get an RPG out there. Like, you know, there's, like, um, obviously Persona 5, a very personal, like, experience with the game. Whoever plays it has development and relationship with characters and all that so same way with Final fantasy 15 it was designed to do that for you putting it on the phone and like either i don't know what they're doing i guess like trimming it to a smaller tailored experience you know yeah. i wonder what they think is good enough to get rid of you know that like 
didn't count or the minutiae that they were like, ah, you know, I don't need that in episode five, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, right. Like, are they what going made the to cut? the effort to, like, capture some of the side quests? Yeah. Or is it like, what is this? the main story? <laughs> like, Man, if they take you know? out that awkward date with Iris, I'll be so happy. That was the best part. No, <laughs> that, that was the worst. <laughs> Fuck you, Tops. No, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. Um, But, you know, it's like, what Can makes... I still feed a cat? That's my question. You better be able to. Is there still a multi-quest line about feeding a cat multiple times throughout the game? Yep. I, I think, like, what I'm getting at, it's, it's just weird to me, like, not to get, like, too philosophical about it, but, like, you know, we, we talk about, like, what makes a good game all the time, what makes a good, like, specific game, even, like, an RPG, and, like, doing this kind of answers that because if it works then it's like well this is the core values of an rpg put into a tighter package for people you know this was what makes a good rpg and I, i'm really curious to see if this is going to be good or bad you know yeah me too um it's and obviously like we don't weird. have any more information than that we don't know how it's much weird it's, it's so weird episode like there's no information the only only other little tidbit about this is that they have like very very obviously alluded but not committed to at all saying that they might maybe bring this version to the Switch at some point, which is also super weird. So, eh, we'll update you as yeah. it comes out, man. I mean, you know, the first episode's free, so I'll probably oh, that's check good. it out yeah, yeah. just to get a sense of it. But uh, I don't know. I, I can't say that I'm interested in playing the game or the story again because uh, it's pretty fresh in my mind. But I'm interested to see how this shakes out and if this really appeals to anybody. It's weird. The character designs almost look like a really souped-up Final Fantasy VII, you know? Uh, yeah, like it's blocky like very with low like the poly, heads. like, yeah. design. It reminds me of when they brought, like, Final Fantasy III to the PSP, and they gave it a up-res with, oh, wow, like, yeah. the shibby designs and everything, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we'll update you as it comes. Um, and then in more What the Fuck Square Enix news, uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy XV is getting a free DLC that crosses oh, over God. with fucking Assassin's Creed. I forgot. I saw this. <laughs> Have you guys seen the video of this? Yes. Yeah, yeah I did. It's... it's fucking goofy. I was so... I was 100% convinced it was fake. That it was like... Yeah. Hack. Or it was like a hoax or whatever. But like, it's real. And I'm so confused by it. Like... How, how, how like, much cocaine has, like, the heads of Square Enix done? Because they're just, like, Pocket Edition Final Fantasy XV, Assassin's Creed DLC crossover, fuck it! Like, they're just crazy. They put, what's the one guy you mentioned before? He's the extra boss villain you add in. Or the, like, a DLC. <laughs> yeah, you can fight like, You put himself Square. in the game! Like, this man is nuts. Lately, man. Dude, this, this man, he, like, I'm telling you, I, I, I think I mentioned this, like, like a fucking year ago to you, Pete. Like, I was just, like, when I saw the first trailers for, like, Final Fantasy XV, I was just, like, dude, the people that that's this development team were just like let's just go fucking crazy and like yeah and like they just been keeping doing it like the craziest like what andy said too you know like it's the best okay game i've ever played because there's so many weird things in it that you're just like you like keep talking about you remember and like, mission what yeah it's so weird what feeding a cat like this game is crazy and it just continues to be crazy. I don't know what Assassin's Creed has anything to do with this. So it's actually funny. I'll give you guys the context just because it's it's actually kind of a cute story. Yeah. Uh, apparently, what happened was like these two teams met at um I forget the event, but they met at a at a, at a games like press event kind of thing where there was all these de- de- developers together, and uh, they kind of got together because they wanted to like mutually express admiration for each other's series, and like they got along really well, and they were like, yeah, let's like do this free DLC and just put it out, and like. It'll be really fun. 
But it's so weird. It's, I'm not, like, it's so fucking weird, and I'm not interested yeah. in it. But, like, it's kind of, like, it's nice to see, like, these two publishers who are, like, rivals be like, yeah, like, we really appreciate each other's work, and we're going to make this DLC, and we're not going to charge for it. Yeah, it is neat. I mean, I'm always down for anything free, you know, and, and crossovers are cool, but it's this is one of the weirdest ones. It's I've ever one seen. of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen. That's the story also of how one of my favorite games got made. The, Which one? After the Game Awards in, I think, like, 2013? The uh, Randy, whatever his name is, a Gearbox and a couple other Gearbox people got very drunk with Telltale Games. <laughs> oh, and oh. Tales of the Borderlands and then, was born. And they woke up with an outline for Tales of the Borderlands. Yeah. Hey, dude, that game is great. And you know, I didn't know it was over uh, them just running into each other drinking. Like, that's Yeah, that's no, cool. they got drunk and were like, we love your games. We love your games. Let's <laughs> do a collab. That's so cool, man. I'm glad that people can do that. You know, companies can, you know... Uh, corporations are people so that's why you know i say that but <laughs> you know they can get together and you know break bread with each other and, and at the end of the day make something that pe- like for the fans you know yeah for it, themselves it, too. it's very cool to see them put like the fans and like their and just games first before like money because they could have right. charged for this and yeah, they both could have made yeah, money yeah. and they were that's just it. like no like fuck it it'll just be a cool thing that we'll deal that we'll mm-hmm. do so it's worth noting that this isn't the first time Assassin's Creed has like crossed over with weird ass Japanese series. Yeah. Um there oh, yeah, was yeah. uh one of the Assassin's Creed games crossed over with like Metal Gear Solid 4, I think. Yes. Yeah, actually I do remember that now. Holy crap. And uh they they've had a couple other like weird crossovers like this. Actually, if you check out the link to the article we have down below that shows the off the trailer I was talking about. Um, the article is by uh, Jason Trier from Kotaku, and he, he lists a couple other um, like weird crossovers Assassin's Creed's had. So it's not like this is unheard of. Um, mm. Just this trailer is very, like, it, it, it was weird to me. Um, so if you are interested in it, let me just give you this quote from the UB blog so you can get the information. Uh, so the co- collaboration is going to kick off this week on August 30th. Um, Final Fantasy fifteen players who have obtained the Dream Egg from Moogle Chocobo Carnival event. Uh, will be gifted a very familiar assassin outfit for Noctis. The next day, August 31st, will be the release of the Free Assassins Festival DLC for Final Fantasy XV. The town of Lestalem will transform itself for the event with signs and banners signaling the arrival of the, of the festival, and new activities will be available for players to participate in. And it doesn't end there. The Assassins Festival will have some additional themed items and features, including another outfit for the Assassin's Creed, uh, along with abilities that including oh that enable Noctis to explore more like an assassin and even use some of the assassin's more well known abilities. So, if you're interested, check it out. It's free DLC. Uh, might be a reason for you to jump back into Final Fantasy 15. Huh, reason to jump back into Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> uh, Sean, I know you didn't play Final Fantasy 15 and you hate Assassin's Creed. So, do you have any thoughts on this one? Or nope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait, I um, I would be remiss in my duties as a sidekick pal if I let a Final Fantasy fifteen discussion go by without at least once saying Nocturu. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of free DLC, Arms' next character Lola Pop has been announced and is on the way. So Lola is kind of essentially a cross between a clown, a balloon animal, and a pop star. With Nintendo describing her as a, uh, quote, street-performing puglist? Puglist? I have no idea what the fuck that's supposed to mean. It means, like, fist-fighting. It's the art of, uh, you know, like, punching people in the face, like, without weapons. It's the art of fighting without weapons, basically. Okay, so she's a street-performing fighter and a, quote, well-traveled clown (laughs) in a press release. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, Lola's coming out with the game's version 3.0 update, so ARMS owners should keep their eyes peeled. We don't have an exact uh, date on when that's coming out, but it's probably in the next week or so. So uh, get uh, get ready for it. I'm so happy that they keep putting out free DLC for this game. Every time they put out a new character, it's been fun to jump back in when somebody comes over who hasn't played it yet, or you know we're just kicking it, waiting for, to do something, or looking for a game to play, and ARMS is the one that comes up. So I'm totally excited to jump in and play Lola. I have kind of fallen out of playing ARMS, like, ranked stuff, just because there's been Splatoon and a million other fucking games that have come out in the last weeks. But um, I definitely see myself spending more time with it. So I'm totally excited for this. So I haven't really spent much time with ARMS. I still don't have it for my Switch. But I think it's really interesting that Lola Pop comes off almost as though they're like, oh, Splatoon, people like Marina and Pearl, right? Let's make them an arms character. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I could see that comparison. Why not, though, right? Brand synergy, baby. Yeah, but, like, also, fuck Marina and Pearl. I... Which one's which one's Pearl? Is she the DJ? No, Marina's the DJ. And Pearl's the one that sucks more. I hate Pearl. I don't mind Marina. I don't like having to go through their cutscene every time, but she's yeah. not, like, aggressively annoying. <laughs> like, also, she has cool, like, character design. Yeah. Um, but ARMS isn't the only fighter that announced new characters this week. Injustice 2 has announced its second character pack is going to have Aquaman, Villain, Black Manta, Mortal Kombat's Raiden, and Dark Horse Comics' Hellboy, which is fucking crazy. Um, no release on these characters, but fans are definitely surprised by the inclusion of Hellboy, who is a Dark Horse Comics character, no affiliation with DC, other than, like, one random Batman crossover from, like, years ago. Uh, Sean, as our like resident injustice guy, uh, what do you think about this? I think this is awesome. Uh, I've been waiting for Black Manta for quite some time, so I'm really, really excited for him to be joining the game. Uh, most fans are not happy that Raiden is making it into this game at all because people don't like the crossover of Mortal Kombat characters in Injustice. Um, there was a lot of backlash in Injustice Part 1 when they introduced some of those characters, and then people weren't really yeah. happy with Sub-Zero being introduced in this game. So I don't really I don't really have a problem with that necessarily, except to say that because this is the only time we're going to get DC characters fighting each other, I would rather that they focus on those. Mm. Um, That's fair. That being said, though, Hellboy is so cool. This is the first time unless I'm mistaken somehow, that we're getting Hellboy in a fighting game. I think he fits in perfectly with this. Um, I have seen the criticism that he's very, very much like what Lobo would have been if they would have put him in the game. And sure. people feel like Lobo should be in this game, and I agree with that. Uh, but it's Hellboy. Come on. Like, how can you not be excited for that? <laughs> he's he's from another, another um, brand, another comic book company altogether. That's cool on its own um hellboy's never been in a fighting game and I, like he's a great character so i just think this is awesome uh actually to for us today they are showcasing black manta on twitch the injustice 2 uh twitch so if you um i mean you're listening now obviously it's not sunday anymore but you can go back and check that out i haven't yeah, seen it of course we're, we're recording um but i'm excited to check that out and see just how awesome black manta is yeah, so we'll definitely talk more about that when the pack actually comes out, I'm sure. But um, that's really cool, man. I'm excited to have an excuse to to get back to it again because, you know, like a bunch of fighting games have come out since Injustice this year. Been a great year for fighting games. So like the few times I have gotten together with people to play fighting games, I'm not really playing Injustice anymore. 
So I'm definitely excited to uh, be like, yo, let's pop this in and get this fucking DLC going, man. Yeah, I mean, they've released uh, a number of characters since the launch. Um, we've got It's got Starfire now, which is awesome. Uh, she's she's really nice. good. Um, it was Starfire, Sub-Zero, and then who was the third one? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Red Hood. Oh, true. Okay. Yep. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's that's. I think that's really gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be fun. And if we ever actually get that uh, fighting game tournament with the long box gun, I'll be excited to be able to pull out Hellboy. Yeah, for sure. People were really expecting Spawn for uh, the like third party character that got teased. I don't think that which I found interesting. I don't think that Spawn is out of the equation. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's because one of the like. Uh, directors on Injustice before the game came out was like DLC characters you want to see did like polls on it and was like um, Mortal Kombat character you want to see as a DLC character and Sub Zero won by a wide margin and it was like third party comic book character you want to see as a DLC character and Spawn won that by a kind of wide margin and so because they announced Sub Zero right away people just kind of expected you know oh cool Spawn will be in the game now. Yeah, uh, so there's supposed to be nine characters in the DLC total, like, over the lifespan of Injustice 2, at least that's what I've read. Uh, so we've already gotten three, we're about to get three more, so then that would lead me to believe that there will be a third fighter pack at some point, I would imagine in 2018, and I would be shocked if Spawn was not a part of that. Uh, is it going to be the same format, one DC character, one Mortal Kombat character, one third party character? I have no idea, but based the first the first two, right? the first two were like that, so yeah. it stands to reason that that's what they would go with. Yeah. Well, no, because the first one had two DC characters, though, right? Uh oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. So I don't know. It would be cool if the third pack was two DC characters, one third party, maybe, because like obviously people are like butthurt about Mortal Kombat characters being in it. So. Yeah, and I honestly don't really know what other Mortal Kombat character we need to be honest yeah the only other one i would think of is scorpion then you kind of have the three major like representatives representatives of the franchise and they did them in the first one yeah so it's like i could see that making sense but i could also see them being like well he was in the first one so we don't need him um and i'd be cool with that i would definitely rather get spawn and two more dc characters at this point in the game yeah i think raiden and sub-zero is definitely like a healthy mortal Kombat representation you know more than enough in my opinion Nah, yeah, man, we need Johnny Cage. I want Goro. I would be against to that. Be honest, but oh. I was just about to say that that'd be he cool. fits so well. I want to make Johnny Cage beat the shit out of Superman. <laughs> <all I> mean. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what's his name? Shang? Shang Not Shang Tsung. He's the he's the bad guy. Who's the dude who does the the crazy? Liu Kang. The... Liu <laughs> Kang. <laughs> Liu Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Liu Kang would be cool. Sure. See that, and then and then it's like, well, can we get Mortal Kombat versus DC two? You know. Dude, please! I love that fucking game. It was broken and bad, but it was so fun, and I played it for years. Well, the Injustice model uh, of gameplay would fit, I think, perfectly for a DC yeah, versus Mortal Kombat. Totally. They've refined it. They've got it. They figured out a way to make those DC characters work. I think they go great together, and uh, I think it's time. Pete, I think that was like the first game we ever played together. One of Mortal them. Kombat versus no, it, it was that or Smash. Yeah, probably Smash, yeah. but yeah, I remember, dude, I remember we played that game all the fucking time. Uh, but yeah, dude, I don't know, I think that would just be so cool, even as just like a, uh, I mean, like, yeah, they could just do it as a, a new game, like, just, and literally just call it, you know, 2, 
But, like, I think that would even work as, like, an Injustice 2.5 update. You know, being like, you know, we decided we're going to do, an, like, a new, another update to the game. There's a new, you know, new batch of Mortal Kombat characters. There's a new story mode. And just keep it going on the same engine. Like, that would be awesome. Wait, like, a year or two and do, like, an expand-alone Game of the Year type edition so you can sell it at full price again with enough new content that people aren't butthurt about it. Yeah, like, I honestly think that would be a better strategy. I think... I think that that pe- some people would just not want it because there's a lot of fans of this game who are just core DC people that don't want anything yeah. to do with Mortal Kombat at all. So I think if yeah, that's fair. If you don't release it as its own game, then they run the risk of not making that money, um, mm. and then it's and then it's not worth it. So if you put out a fresh Maybe, game yeah. with a brand new story, updated graphics, like full half and half roster. I think that that does gangbusters. I think my only fear there is that people would be like, where's Injustice 3? We'd rather just have Injustice 3. But you're probably right. On the other hand, people fucking suck. (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree. Who needs their opinions? All right, so uh, moving on from new game announcements, DLC, all that crap. Um, so Nintendo has mismanaged the hell out of the SNES or SNES. I don't know what the fuck, whatever you SNES. call it. SNES. Uh, classic pre-orders, surprising absolutely no one. So by now, you've probably already heard about the strife those who are looking to pre-order the SNES Classic have experienced in the last week as Nintendo rolled out pre-orders for the highly anticipated and sought-after console in the worst way possible. So depending on your time zone, pre-orders went up for Amazon and Best Buy anywhere from 2 to 5 a.m. on Tuesday morning, before pre-orders went out again later that day for Target, Walmart, and GameStop. Uh, GameStop, GameStop excuse me, tried to mitigate some of the disaster by offering a few in-store pre-orders, but uh, even those got snapped up really quickly. I myself have a little anecdote about that I'd love to uh, share. My hopes were up so high, Pete. So here's what happens. I'm on Twitter, and uh, it's uh, I like literally had just started my lunch break at work. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm browsing, and I see Wario64 has posted about GameStop having in-store pre-orders. I called my local GameStop as I was getting in the car, asked them if they had any. My, the dude told me he did. He said, hurry over. I get over there. I call Andy on my way over to ask him if he wants me to snap up one for him. He says yes, so I get him involved in this fucking circus of disasters. And I get there just in time to watch the last one get picked up. Oh. Yup. So that was fun. Uh, so then the only, only other option for you to get these things was um, in these very overpriced bundles on ThinkGeek, the cheapest being $140, where the thing normally retails for 80 bucks, uh, and it was like a bunch of like tchotchke shit, like a Tetris lamp or a fucking Zelda backpack and shit you don't want. You're trying to get the fucking SNES. Um, so then like what makes this so frustrating is that despite promising to handle the SNES Classic better than its predecessor, Nintendo pulled the same fucking garbage they always do. You know, it's in the middle of the night, no warning about the fact that pre-orders were going out, and then clearly not giving retailers enough pre-orders to meet the demand. So, I've got my opinions on what's going on here, but I wanted to open it up to you guys. Like, what gives? Nintendo sucks at estimating demand. (laughs) You know, I've, I've gone over Nintendo in spades about how the marketing that they have alone is enough to infuriate somebody, but... It's partly that they're bad at estimating things. Also, Nintendo runs their own, you know, to be their own drum. And, you know, and the other thing, too, things like this and the, the NES Classic, you know, the little special things, obviously they want everyone to have a Switch. 
but they do want to make exclusivity for these markets and they do market things like a toy company and they do uh, hype things up and, and not make enough, you know, and that's, that's a, a way of marketing that they are known to do. That's not like a bad thing. It's just that they treat things like, not like a game company would it, they treat it like a, like a toy company would sometimes. At least not these things, right? No, not these things. I'm saying like the Switch is a different story altogether. Like, sure. you know, the, the DS generation and onward, they want you to have a handheld. You know what I mean? There's yeah. usually no shortage about that stuff, you know, in one way or another. But things like this, they want it to be so hard to find that you're going to go, you know, oh man, I really want to spend, I really want, I'll, I'll get the $250 scalper one because I really want one. You know, even still like that, they, but like, they don't intend for that. that benefit? It just benefits the the hype of it, kind of, you know. Like to them, it's like they know that you're gonna buy a Nintendo product anyway. You know, you're gonna if if you're into Nintendo stuff, and if you want this kind of thing, you're gonna buy it, you know. And if you can't get one, then it's talked about, and then you'll remember it ten years from the line. You know, be like, oh my god, these things are worth money because nobody had them, and they're really cool. And you know, it just benefits like the legacy. You know, Nintendo doesn't ever do anything. I don't think, at least, it doesn't seem like they do anything uh, without trying to make some mark. You know, even when the Wii U failed, they were like, well. Well, it's a tablet and no one's ever done that so you know fucking like it or not whatever it's got a mark though you know and these things do leave a, a mark for better or for worse you might remember them bad but the system might be good you know it's just one of those things that at least we're talking about it you know it's it's weird but that's just nintendo does their own thing and like it's I, just I, like it's really frustrating especially because like this is the only way to play their official Star Fox 2. Yeah, like, it is. Like, they finished the game and put it out. And then, if it's it's one thing if it's just like, oh, here's a bunch of games you've already played. But they finished Star Fox 2, they put it out, they're either re-releasing a good translation of Final Fantasy VI, or releasing the original jank-filled translation of Final Fantasy VI for the original or for the first time in Forever 2 and I love that translation it's so fucking ridiculous <laughs> but yeah man uh, that's that's a hook for them you know they want you to be talking about Star Fox 2 and how you can't play it or, you know <laughs> yep but how does that benefit Nintendo? I don't get it. Because they I don't... never will get it. Okay. They could make more money. They don't need your money. Units. They don't need so, your money. They can survive without making money for like 10 years straight. They're fucking loaded. They don't need your money from this, this NES Classic. They're banking on you already getting things like the Switch. You know what I mean? And like, it, it's just it's just a way to have another claw in a different area. You know? That's it. It's, it's just... And like... To be honest, they're very upfront about what they, they want to do. They don't need your money on this, so they're not going to make enough to make the money from it. So I don't I don't know if it's exactly that, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the marketing, that they market these things like a toy company. And I think, like, you're right that they could make more money if they made, uh, if they made more stock, right? But I think what they don't want is to have so many that they're sitting on shelves because that doesn't benefit them at all either. And then they have a bunch of this stock that they can't get rid of. Because think about how many fucking things like this exist for Sega and Atari and a bunch of other... And granted, Nintendo's games are better and they need more than those. But I think the reason that this matters, the reason we're talking about this, is because of this. It's because it's scarce, because mm -hmm. it's a hot ticket item, because it's going to be the hottest toy this Christmas that you can't get your hands on. And I... I Like, it works, you know? And, like, I don't, like, I don't think that Amiibo 
would have been a big deal or the same level of deal if they hadn't made that artificial shortage of the original line where there was there's these ones that are the they're the holy trinity and you can't find mm-hmm. them anywhere it makes it exciting it makes it an event you know yeah, it, it's yeah. an event to try and get the SNES classic and i got one right like me and thompson i i didn't get to say this me and thompson got them uh, when they sent out the second wave of Walmart pre-orders, um, literally right before the link went dead, because we were together and like I had Wario's um, things turned on, and uh, you know it's like I posted about it on Instagram and it was exciting because I got one and a bunch of people don't have them and it's like a collector's item, like Thompson said. And if it was a thing that anybody could get one, would anyone really care? I don't know. Also, like, Nintendo's always had, like, a, you know, things that launch, you know, there's not enough. It, it, you can trace it back to, like, the Super Nintendo. You know what I mean? Like, when I was a kid trying to get a Super Nintendo, like, for my birthday, it was Christmas and shit, like, two days before, it was the same idea as this, you know? And that was the Super Nintendo. Like, I don't think the GameCube had too much of a trouble, but, like, I know the 64 was kind of hard to get right away. I know the Wii was hard to fucking get. Um, it's This is just how they market, you know? This is what they do. And, like, Nintendo does their own thing. And they've always done their own thing. The, the one thing I, I think I agree with Andy on is I think the hype for this thing is already sufficiently, like, it is a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? No, it's, like, they it's already there. did it with the NES. Like, I think yeah. at this point they have nothing to gain by continuing to limit pre-orders. If they've already sold out of pre-orders at every single retailer, put out another batch of pre-orders and let them sell out again. You know? Yeah, but the, again, it comes down to Nintendo doesn't budge on what they do, you know? I mean, I agree 100%, you know? Like, they should probably make more i really think they really should at this point it, it's not you know it will sell it, i don't know there's no reason to make it this hard but this is just how they do things at Nintendo. and like dude they can't get the fucking virtual console running on the switch and that's already launched you know and they can't get netflix on it and stuff we talked about this recently too it's like we expect certain quality of life things from them but they missed the mark on a lot of things so it's like yeah they could make more snes classics but they're not gonna you know it's just, just a, not Nintendo. And, and bolstering that point they know that when they do release more, people are going to snap them up because they're hungry. Yep. You know, That's true. When, when, when you, it's, it's scarcity. When you have access to something on an unlimited basis, it's like, oh, I'll go buy that whenever I feel like it. You know, it's not going to be a yeah, problem. Yeah. But when you know that something is like, okay, you need to get this or it's gone, people will, will make a line around the block to get this thing, you know? Yeah. And it's I'm crazy. that sucker. Like, I am. You know, it's like, I did that with Amiibo. Like, I, I thought Amiibo were cool. I'm obviously a Nintendo fan. I was always going to invest in some Amiibo. But the reason I have three shelves of Amiibo is because, oh, you can never get a villager again. And I was like, what? I like Animal Crossing. I, that's one of the three I actually wanted. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden it was, oh, like, the reason I got Amiibo was because I saw a little Mac Amiibo on the shelves two weeks before it was supposed to be out. I knew how Amiibo worked, and I bought it because I figured I could flip it if I didn't decide I wanted to keep it. And then now I fucking have every single one. And you know what? Nintendo doesn't get enough credit for this, but they're the best gaming company in the world at doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They they, they found every possible way to to drip feed money out of you because you never feel like it's a sacrifice, you know? I don't think that's a thing they should be getting credit for. But that's just... Good marketing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like, I understand why you feel that way, and it's it's definitely annoying and frustrating, but I think... I think Thompson is right in that it's good marketing and it and whether or not as as the consumers we enjoy that because obviously nobody enjoys being frustrated at the end sure. of the day did you say you know what screw Nintendo I'm not going to get this or did you say I'm going to get this no matter what I'm going to fight to get you it said, exactly right. or like I still want so one Nintendo even if I can't wins. find it 
Yeah. And the it, reality of it is, is like I really don't, I really don't think that this thing would matter if there wasn't a scarcity issue. I don't think it would be the hot toy this Christmas or anything. It, you know, no, like, it, would, it would definitely be there. People would say, "Hey, you talk about this NES Classic," but it wouldn't be this. It wouldn't right. be a headline every other time a fucking pre-order goes up because yeah, we're be fighting for a chance to possibly get one, which is crazy when you think about it. You know, yeah. in a world where now games don't come out with scarcity, pretty much, you can just download them, and it's like. You used to have to be like, oh, there wasn't a copy of my game, you know? Screw it. There's always a copy of the game. Especially when every single version of one of these games is available on Virtual Console and another Nintendo system. Except for, with the exception of Star Fox 2. Or with emulators. It's like, you know, yeah, I I, I gotta give it to you on this one in terms of marketing it well. The technology isn't anything groundbreaking either, man. It's shoving like 15, 20, or 20 ROMs, 21 ROMs on a a thing that takes less than probably a gigabyte. You know what I mean? It's it's fucking... Not hard to make one of these. No, I think I think what, yeah, what you're paying for is definitely like the the build quality because I I yeah, when, uh, Sean and I were at FlameCon last week. We actually saw an NES classic in person for the first time. Oh wow! And we were That's both cool. like looked at it. And we were like, whoa, That's like, cool. that I've is never cool. Seen like one. it's so cute. Like it yeah. looks exactly like an NES, just a little baby. And mm. like you know, it's like it's gonna be cool to have that on my shelf. You know, I'm definitely gonna be happy to have one. Um, whether or not I end up spending a lot of time with it is gonna be interesting to see. But play Final Fantasy VI. I probably will. You know, I, I honestly, I think I'll use it for Let's Plays. You know, like, that's a thing Secret I can see. Yeah, getting getting mileage out of it for. And Star Fox 2, for that matter. Um, so while you could argue that Nintendo has mismanaged the pre-orders of their latest mini console, Microsoft seems to be knocking it out of the goddamn park with Xbox One X pre-orders. So in a blog post titled, Thanks to Our Fans, Xbox One X uh, has announced that it is the fastest-selling Xbox pre-order ever. So, Microsoft had this to say. I'm just going to read it. Sunday night in Germany, we unveiled the, the Xbox One X Project Scorpio Edition, a special edition console designed for our biggest fans. That night, we launched pre-orders worldwide, and we have been overwhelmed by your response. Within just a few days, we saw record-setting sellout times and are currently sold out in many countries around the world. You, our biggest fans, have pre-ordered more Xbox One X Project Scorpio Edition consoles, that's a mouthful, in the first five days than any Xbox ever. So here's a quote from GameStop. Microsoft has done it again. The innovation and power behind the new Xbox One X console is driving excitement and demand among our customers worldwide. I'm sorry, this comes from Bob Puzon, Senior uh, Vice President of Merchandising for GameStop. Uh, The speed at which we sold through our initial pre-order supply surpassed expectations, and what we experienced with pre-orders for the original Xbox One console. This new game system is definitely going to change how how video games are played. Okay. Get, can, can I just cut, say settle down, guy? Can I just say something real quick? Uh, sure, sure. You know, it's in the language how they say like fastest pre-ordering of uh, other Xbox systems. They're not comparing it to the other, you know. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I just think it's funny that they're like touting it so hard, and they're just like, "Yeah, man, it's so fucking." F-, but it's like against your own self. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this one comes from Media Mark. Um, it says, "A great piece of tech with great uh, onrush. Microsoft's high-end console hits the hearts and minds of our console fans. We are absolutely astonished with the run on Microsoft's new flagship console of the Xbox One family. The Xbox One X Project Scorpio edition was the fastest sold-out Xbox console ever." 
Uh, and this goes back to this is Xbox again. Although our fans may no longer be able to pre-order the Xbox One X Project Scorpio edition in their country, we know people are still anxious to get their hands on the world's most powerful console. We will be announcing details of the next wave of Xbox One X Standard Edition pre-orders next month, so stay tuned for more information. We can't wait for November 7th. Excitement is building. From developers who have committed more than 100 new and exciting games will be enhanced for one Xbox One X to the 300,000 plus European fans who got the chance to experience the full power of the Xbox One X this week to receiving the Gamescom 2017 award for best hardware, which is like against what? Um, <laughs> there's really never been a better time to be an Xbox gamer. You made the Xbox One X the fastest selling pre-order in Xbox history. From all of us at Team Xbox, thank you. Um, so I want to say real quick, just congratulations there, Microsoft. That's good. Yeah, you need that he, good headline. You deserve um, a win, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Xbox One X is a fine console. I think we definitely talk a little smack on it in the show every once in a while, like hyperbolically, but it's a good console, and, like, I'm glad to see them get a win here, you know? I'm, like, I'm real into my X-Bone. Um, and I know that, like, Pete, you brought, bought one of their Design Lab controllers. I sure did. Because you like that controller, and, like, the customize your shit is a good selling point yeah it's dope i have an orange xbox controller with my name on it like how cool is that not even just your name your fucking gamer tag yeah i'm badass that matters <laughs> your internet branding yeah at loud pete on twitter loud yeah. underscore pete excuse me <laughs> yeah i mean you know they've got some good tech i you know it's what they said the fastest or the strongest uh most powerful world. console yeah uh TechCrunch yeah, yeah. actually came out with a report saying that it's 50 percent stronger than the ps4 pro so it's, it's pretty that's yeah it's that's pretty impressive powerful. that's a good yeah. jump which is yeah. like considering these numbers are already ridiculously high mm-hmm. um yeah because like, we, we talked about this once like maybe just in passing like the, the technology reaches such a point with these things that like it's hard to inc- like you know besides incrementally leap you know getting these like 0.5 consoles it's hard to really go to a next generation but 50 percent is like it's pretty good man that's good, uh yeah. you know you think about that that's like jumping from the playstation 1 to the nintendo 64 you know it's just it's double the stuff you know like that it's, it's like a leap like almost in that level you know it's crazy yeah it's definitely a powerful unit yeah, maybe they can do something good with it you know and maybe maybe it'll uh you know have have a reprisal you know it'll actually go back <laughs> to the xbox and we'll talk about it more <laughs> I don't know, man. Of Andy, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but like, I don't, I don't know how much this is going to matter. Like, I think that these pre-orders are definitely cool. It's going to be interesting to see, like, if Xbox actually announces where their lifetime sales are at after this or anything. But like, as long as the Xbox One X is forced to be playing games that have to also run on Xbox One and PS4's base models, mm-hmm. like. It's, it's only going to matter so much. It's like you're talking about up res and like that's going to matter yeah, yeah. to some gamers. But I feel like if for them to really use the power that this console has, they would need to have an exclusive that was made specifically for Xbox One X. And yeah. that is such a small market. There's no way a game that would be that expensive to produce that actually takes advantage of the, the graphical capabilities would be anywhere profitable enough to like warrant Microsoft wanting to make it. I'm curious to see these pre-order numbers who uh, already owned an Xbox and they're just getting it for the up-res or who never had one and they're like, I'll jump on that ship. You yeah, know? picking up a second console. Because yeah, it would be interesting if it was even like a 50-50 split because that's that's a huge you know addition to their install base. You know? Sure. Who Who's building their, like, their big bro shooter this year to be like a 
much better experience on Xbox One X. Destiny Two. I is, don't know. <laughs> I no, don't not Destiny. Destiny's no, I'm just uh, with throwing um, names out. <laughs> I know it's. I know Anthem is like a uh, not an exclusive, but uh, like in bed with Xbox kind of thing. In bed with Xbox kind of thing, and I want to say like maybe Call of Duty. Maybe that's what about crazy. what about that Lawbringers game? What is that? Lawbreakers on? is only on the PlayStation right now. Yeah, only on that. Okay. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah. the big thing that it's it's funny because the big thing that Microsoft really has in its corner this that's coming up, I think, is being uh, the only console where you can play Player Unknown. But like, that's not going to benefit from this at all. So, eh, that game is really popular. Maybe someone will play it for that. Actually, yeah, but I just mean like you don't need to buy the Xbox One. No, X you, you don't. But you know? I, but I didn't think about that. Maybe maybe people want to play it on console. You know, there are people who like. To just play on console, you know. Yeah, was, and maybe if and, they don't have an Xbox, they don't play PC. They've heard about Player Unknown. Maybe they pick yeah. up Xbox for that. That's possible. Hmm. But are they going to get Xbox One X when they could just get an Xbox One S for cheaper? <laughs> the if world you don't have a four K TV and you don't care about having, you know. Anyway, what I was going to say is like maybe like the big bro shooter, whatever they're building, yeah, runs at like sixty. Yeah, 60 FPS, no, if, like... If, yeah, if you can make it run at 60 FPS on X-Bone. That'll like, matter to shooter players, for sure. Yeah, and, like, that would be awesome. Um, Like, I don't play a lot of shooters, but, like, that would be super cool if you could get it running at 60 FPS. And... That would matter to, like, the core Xbox base. Yeah. And that's, like, I think that's who this console's for, is for the core Xbox base. Definitely. And, like... The Xbox lost the console war because PlayStation was where the base's friends bought consoles this generation. Yep. And, like, that, like, I've seen stuff that's, like, that's the thing that drives 90% of decisions on which console do I buy is which console do my friends have. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Core, yeah. core gamers like us who buy consoles within, like, the first six months of launch, they set the cadence for the war to come. You know, and like publishers can obviously fight and like make their platform more attractive. We saw how PS3 was able to pull back and close that gap. Um, but the gap that exists between PS4 and Xbox is so wide now that Microsoft really can't hope to close it. They can only hope to try and pull as many new people as they can and speak to the people that they have. Yep. Yeah, I think everything Phil Spencer's done for the Xbox brand has been eyes to the future. Spill Venture's a genius, dude. Uh, like, everything he's done has been a wildly pro-consumer move that's gone over really well with their core base. Well, it's, you know, it's always good to see any company, I think, like, you know, that has such power in it, even if I'm not, like, playing an Xbox One, you know, anything right now. It, it's good to see something like that still have, like, you know, legs, because we need competition, you know, that yeah. shit, like, helps. Um, I don't like to see, you always see what happens when one thing is on top for too long, shit gets fucked up, you know, cause they get either like, they rest on their laurels too hard or they don't, you know, something, you know, like PlayStation, you know, from once in a while, they make this, Sony does stupid shit. Yeah. Like every once in a while, they just start Straight doing up. dumb shit and then they do really smart shit when they're behind or, you know, and that's what Microsoft just did. So it's, mm -hmm. it's going to see that, you know, every good decision PlayStation made during the, every bad decision PlayStation made during the PS3 era was motivated by their hubris from the PS2 era. And every yeah. good decision they made was motivated by Microsoft eating their fucking lunch. 
Yeah. And the fact that the PS4 is what it was is because of the problems they had with the PS3 generation. And then being like hat in hand at that February conference, we're going to make a box for gamers. It's going to be easy to develop for. It's going to be this. It's going to be this. And then they delivered on that. But now that they're ahead again, they're doing stupid shit again. Because we saw how poorly they handled the PS4 Pro, which is basically the same thing as the Xbox One X. But people actually like this because (laughs) Microsoft marketed it well. Mm -hmm. Well said. They also launched, I think, the uh, the PS4 Pro a year too early. Yeah, that's probably a fair point. I, I, I think the the market last year wasn't like right for it, but I think this year, like, this is the Christmas 4K takes off in a big way. Uh, the only thing I was going to say was I don't really think this matters. Uh, I think it's it's good for them, but I think a lot of this is um, you know PR stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see what happens when the thing's actually out, uh, and whether it has legs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like when we actually get hands-on impressions and what people's opinion of it seems to be. Yep. You know, because I think people had a really negative opinion about the PS4 Pro, and then once they got it, the people that got it like it, and that's it. And you don't really hear about it very much. It's like the and, VR, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm I'm inclined to think we're going to see a similar trajectory here. Yeah. I think you're probably right. All right, and finally, and what be in what may be the end to one of gaming's greatest untold stories, uh, the lead writer of the Half-Life series, Mark Laidlaw, posted what many are calling the unreleased story for Half-Life 3 on his website uh, last week. So I don't know what you're talking about. He wrote a fanfic about totally different characters. Totally. So what Andy's yeah. talking about uh, is after uh, leaving Valve 18 months ago, Mark posted this story, which he's calling a fanfic, um, because, like, there's name changes and gender swaps for... Everything's gender swapped, and it's, like, Gertrude Free something. Yeah, it's, like, Gertrude Free Mayor or something like that instead of Gordon Freeman. It's Um, also worth noting it's called Epistle 3 instead of Episode 3. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) just weird things like that. Um, Because, yeah, obviously, he's trying to avoid legal issues. Valve still legally owns the rights to all these characters, but... Uh, Mark was very much the kind of like creative lead behind the Half-Life series. He's the one who crafted all the lore and like much of what we think about when we think about that series. So, um, you know, he posted this for fans and uh, I've linked to two versions here. There's the original, which is on MarkLaidlaw.com, which is Epistle 3. You'll get it with all the weird gender swap stuff. And then I've got a mirrored version over on GitHub, uh, which changes all the character names and gender pronouns and everything back to the proper names from Half-Life. So you can just read the thing as he intended it um, if you read his twitter the day he posted it it's really funny too i will link to that as well in the description down below because he uh he gets on twitter as the news is breaking and everyone's going crazy about it it's just like i don't know why all these people are gender swapping my fanfic these are oc characters guys <laughs> <laughs> um so this is just kind of a nice little nugget you know for for fans of half-life those who've been you know really holding out that half-life 3 might happen someday you know, it's not going to. You got to just let it go. But, uh, you know, it's it's cool that I think Mark threw this bone out there for fans um, of the series. And hopefully this gives them some level of closure on, you know, what has been kind of one of gaming's, like, longest running just, like, memes. Memes. Slash, yeah, like, just <laughs> this weird thing kind of hanging over Valve. So, um, I, it's really long. I'm not going to read the whole thing here or anything like that. You guys go check it out if you're interested. And, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the news this week, guys. So this was, there's a lot out of Gamescom this week. Usually Gamescom, not, not too hefty, but, you know, I even had to trim it down so we didn't have, like, a fucking 20-item news list, so. 
Um, let us know what your favorite announcements at a Gamescom were. You know, if you've got anything that you'd like us to comment on that we didn't, or anything that you thought that was like particularly hype. Uh, throw us an email at the video game pals at um, gmail.com. You can hit us up on uh, at the comics pals, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that stuff. Let us know your thoughts. Um, hit us up in the comments below if you're on YouTube or uh, SoundCloud, any of that stuff. We'd love to hear what you were thinking about Gamescom announcements. So before we wrap it up, I just want to say out of all the Gamescom stuff that came out, you guys have any, like, what was your favorite? Uh, for me, I, I really didn't care about much that. Um, <laughs> came out of gamescom uh the only thing i love you man you, you crack me up so much <laughs> i love it he's just so fucking real about it you know it's great did they announce a new thing for wow nah they actually did uh, they, they did um uh, they announced a lot of stuff about shit. seven three which is the new patch that's coming out this tuesday um but i didn't care about that either um the only thing <laughs> The only thing that I thought was interesting was the Injustice 2 fighter pack, and so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but otherwise, you know, game announcements are game announcements. <laughs> Sean, the least exciting person on, or the least excited person about game announcements on a games podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, an unexcitable boy, Bartley. <laughs> the anti-Warren Zevon. I mean, the most <laughs> the most interesting thing to me that we talked about uh, is the Half Life, but that's only because I don't know all the backstory and I've never played Half Life before. So I would love to uh, learn about that and read that with context and get to understand like why um, why this is so significant. I get that Half Life hasn't come out, Half Life Three. People have been waiting forever, but like there's so much story there that I don't know that would have been fascinating to learn. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, game announcement. I think for me, uh, strangely enough, the stupid Final Fantasy Pocket Edition really took my attention. Mm. I I don't like mobile anything, you know. I, I don't really get into it. I, I did Fallout Shelter for like, you know, uh, I pretty much beat it, and I didn't have to spend any money on it. So that was you like get into that uh, that Fire Emblem game too. You're into that. Yeah, part. Awakening. Yeah, right. No, Awakening. Sorry, Heroes. Um, Heroes. The you always say Awakening all the time. It's the first thing I think of Fire Emblem now. Um, but yeah, this is such a weird thing because, like I was saying before, with like what makes RPGs and stuff, like they, they really need to make this work in a certain way that I don't think has ever seen a mobile game try to attempt. And uh, it, if it works, then that is something I might have to start. You know, like I pay for this, which is weird because like episode one's free, and if it's fun and I like Final Fantasy fifteen, what a way to bridge the gap for me, you know? Um, it, this just could speak to other games being formatted on the on the mobile market in in, in interpretative ways that this is done. I don't know how this is going to play out yet, so I'm I'm kind of excited for that because it's just weird, you know? It's like it's not weird like Assassin's Creed being in the game, which is <laughs> definitely weird, but it's weird because it's a new way of telling something that has already been told you know and it's also yeah. it's like uh this I, I don't know it's supposed to be the same experience but on a different platform with less or more i don't fucking know so it's weird you know i'm interested yeah it's definitely the most like out of left field thing to come yeah. out of any of this well, it's a different way of developing a game, and I, I think that that's the the biggest you know thing is just like a new way to do it, not like a new engine or anything, but it's just like we never thought of doing this before. Fuck it, let's try it, you know. Let's try it. And I'm always into that shit, you know. Yeah, I think I'm with Thompson on this one. Cool. It's like there wasn't a ton of announcements, and 
Like, this is the one that intrigues me most because I'm interested to see if they, like, tell the story better. And, yeah. like, it gets less up its own butt with the whole open world thing. Because, like, that was kind of gross. I mean, it, de- it depends on, you know, how they do all of it. I mean, from the ground up, I have no clue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys at least from morbid curiosity standpoint. Like, I'm really interested to see how that whole thing shakes out in terms of just like what is it going to mean for Square moving forward? Is it going to speak to anybody? Like, I don't know. Um, but for yeah. me, I'm definitely most excited about uh, the announcement of um, Jurassic World Evolved. I'm, I'm definitely excited to play that game. Like, that's a game I will definitely pick up. I will definitely put time into. That's um, why it was the first one on the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's also the oldest announcement, guys. Give me some fucking credit yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty hype on that game. I can't wait to check it out. Oh yeah, that's a Pete game if I ever saw one. <laughs> Absolutely. Life does find a way. <laughs> it's just one of those like, oh Pete, what are you doing? Well, it's four o'clock in the morning, and I've been playing Jurassic Park <laughs> for seven hours now. That's that's accurate. I crossbred fifteen different things, and now everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the movies. All right, so that is going to wrap it up here on the dis- for the discussion on episode 18 of the Video Game Pals. Uh, I just went through all the plugs before, so you know where to get us. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Take care, guys. Peace. Bye, everybody.